Well, in the country of Israel, there's two major bodies of water. In the north, there's the Sea of Galilee, or they call it Tiberias today. And then in the south, there's the Dead Sea. The Sea of Galilee is really beautiful. It's very green, the mountains all around it. And when we were there several times, we saw one of the tributaries, one of the streams that flows into the Sea of Galilee. It comes up out of the earth, and everywhere it is, it's just green, this beautiful stream, and it flows down into the, into the lake. At the south end of the lake is the exit point, and, and there water leaves, and the water that leaves the Sea of Galilee becomes the Jordan River. And then the Jordan River flows about 100 miles south, and it flows into the Dead Sea, what's left of it, the Jordan River anyway. Now, the Dead Sea is a large body of water, too, because it's like the lowest point on the earth. There is no outlet for the Dead Sea, and it's appropriately named because everything there is dead around it. There are no fish that swim in the Dead Sea. You don't have plants in the Dead Sea. The salt content of the Dead Sea is ten times the salt content of the Mediterranean Sea. If you try to swim in it, you really don't swim as much as you do bob up and down like a cork. You cannot sink in the Dead Sea. There's no life, though, because there's no outlet. So that's a beautiful picture, helpful illustration for what the Christian life is supposed to be, a healthy versus unhealthy. We're supposed to be like the Sea of Galilee with the stream of God's presence, his mercy, his love, his grace, his power, his hope, his gifts, the fruits of his spirit flowing into our lives like that stream. And then somewhere there's got to be an outflow. Becoming the Jordan River. If we become like the Dead Sea with inflow and no outflow, things around us become dead and stale. We are designed by God in a healthy way to to give out of all that he's given to us. It's not just about us. When God does something in our life, he wants to turn around and use us. I mean, if if it was the case where God just said, you know, all your life is about is to meet me and come to heaven and spend eternity then why wouldn't God just take us as soon as we come to Christ? Why does he leave us on earth? Well, he leaves us here because he wants us to be his hands and he wants us to be his feet. He wants us to bring a message of hope, you know, the gospel to people, of new life. He wants us to bring healing into people's lives, bring harmony in broken relationships. He wants us to care for the earth. He wants us to be his ambassadors, his presence, his body, funny that the word says the body of Christ he actually wants us to be his body on the earth and so he leaves us here because it's not just about going to heaven it's about living fully in him together to represent Jesus so we've been talking about the five purposes we're on the fifth one today okay the first one was worship then we talked about witness then we talked about spiritual growth last Sunday Donna did a great job talking about community and today we're going to talk about ministry or service We have a a word on the back wall there called grace. And that word grace represents those five purposes. G is for glorifying God. R is for reaching unbelievers. A is for applying God's word or spiritual growth. C is connecting with each other, community. And E is equipping believers. That's the service part. So the Bible is pretty clear about this. If you want to uh, write these down on your notes, you can do that. All right. So first of all, we're going to talk about serving, what God's word says about it. Number one. We are saved to serve. We're saved to serve. There's a very popular passage in Ephesians. It says this, chapter 2, verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. 
not by works, so that no one can boast. We usually stop there. Go on to verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So once we're saved by grace, through faith, we become God's poem or his handiwork, crafted to do good works on the earth, which he's already prepared before we came to him for us to do. It's an amazing thought. So, we serve God um, out of this grace and out of this transformation that he's brought into our life. We do it not out of guilt or fear, but we do it out of gratitude and joy for what he's done for us. Again, it's just, I have that picture in my mind of that river, that stream flowing into the Sea of Galilee, of all God's goodness flowing into our lives. Romans 12:1 says that in view of God's mercy, offer your body as a living sacrifice. Our salvation stimulates service. It's like, I got, I got to serve somebody. I got to do something. There's an impulse inside of me, okay? Number two, we're called to serve. So we're saved to serve, and then we're called to serve. This is from uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Priests serve God. That may be hard for you to accept because what image comes to your mind when you hear the word priest? Or you think of somebody in, in a black suit and a white collar and a cross around their neck and you're going, well, that's not me. Well, a priest is anyone who actually accepts Christ. Technically, that's your new identity. And you don't have to wear a black suit and have a white collar around your neck. You just are that. When we come to Christ, he gives us a new identity as a priest to serve him, to declare his praises. And to help people on on God's behalf. We actually need to start thinking of ourselves in a new way. While discarding some of the old labels that we live with. This is one of the biggest things that will ever happen in your life when you start to have a new way of thinking about yourself, a new identity. That, hey, I'm chosen. I'm not rejected. I'm chosen. That you're holy. You're not dirty. You're not commonplace. You're not run-of-the-mill. You're set apart for something bigger than just doing for yourself. That you're, pre- you're a priest and you're not unspiritual. A lot of people think, I'm not a spiritual guy. I'm not a spiritual woman. Well, if you're in Christ, you are because the spirit lives in you. You're a treasure. You're not trash. You're a treasured possession. You know, even if you don't feel that way, if, you, if you've invited Jesus into your life, that is who you are. And you just need to take the first step to living like that. Well, I got to tell you, you know, there's a lot of times, especially when I first started I don't feel like a pastor. I'm just following this impulse that God has given me this call. But I never saw myself doing this when I was growing up. It's something changed inside of me. And it was, all, it was an inside job that God pulled on me to get me to this place. I, love what, I like what they do in China. When they welcome new church members, they say, Jesus now has a new pair of eyes to see with, new ears to listen with, New hands to help with, and a new heart to love others with. Every person who comes to Jesus, all of a sudden, there's more of the presence of Jesus to be used on the earth. 
And don't think just individually, because as a follower of Jesus, you become a part of something bigger than yourself. Like I said just a minute ago, you become a part of the body of Christ. And as a member of Jesus' body, you have a function. And no matter what that function is, it's important. Don't, don't undersell yourself. Think about your own body. How often did you think this week of your tear ducts and your eyelashes? Guys, probably the least, because we don't do anything with our eyelashes, Okay. But how often did you think of my tear ducts? I'm so grateful for my tear ducts this week. What do tear ducts do? They help us when we get stuff, dust in our eyes. I mean, it's really important for us to be able to see. We need our tear ducts and we need our eyelashes. They don't seem very important, but man, are they important for functioning in the world. And it's the same way. It's important when somebody, you know, the person who, who pulls weeds, and it's great we have these women who come and they pull weeds. This is five acres of land. We don't have people we pay to do that. We have women who come, they've adopted parts of the property to do that. It's important for somebody to set up tables, you know, for somebody to, 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 to do sound, for somebody, you know, people who clean, people who fix food, people who teach, people who set up, and, you know, just all kinds of things. Everyone in every act of service is important. So we're saved to serve, we're called to serve, and then we're commanded to serve. Jesus was talking about, you know, if you're going to be like me, you need to have the same attitude. And he says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And he goes on to say, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. A growing Christian stops asking, who's going to meet my needs? And they start asking, whose needs can I meet? The Spirit of God filled Jesus and compelled him to serve in the world. And when he lives inside of us, he compels us to do the same thing, to serve somewhere, to serve somebody. Let's keep this in mind, too. There's trouble if we don't serve and instead live a selfish life. I'm going into Romans. This is uh, chapter 2. It's verse... Eight. It says, God, go back, but for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. Just to be a self-seeking person is to be lost. There's wrath and anger at the end for a person who just lives for themselves their whole life. Now, um, and then Jesus said, he says, you know, the people who find their life are the people who die for me. And the people who lose their life are the people who just live for themselves. The people who just try to say, I'm just, it's all going to be about me. You're just going to lose everything. So we've got to flip it. We've got to stand everything on its head and say, for me to find life, I have to give it away. I have to serve. But you might say, well, I don't, I don't have what it takes. I'm just too whatever, you know. Some other people of faith could have said that. Abraham could have said, I'm too old. I can't serve. I'm, I'm 75 years old, and you're giving me a promise now? This is a time to be thinking about my burial plot, not being the father of many nations. Jacob was too insecure. Joseph was too abused. His beat, brothers beat him up, and then he got, he got accused of false things, and he went from, from being a slave to being a prisoner. Moses, he, was, he had a speech impediment. How can I talk? I can't, can't get the words out. Gideon was too small and too poor. Rahab was too immoral. She was a prostitute. Jeremiah was too depressed. Naomi was too alone. Peter was too impulsive. 
Martha was too anxious. The Samaritan woman was too much of a failure in her marriages. Zacchaeus was too unpopular. Thomas was too much in doubt. Timothy was too timid. You look at all these Bible characters, they're all too something or other, but God used them all because it's not about do you have what it takes, it is are you available? God loves to show his power and weakness. He takes weak people so that his power will be glorified and amplified. People will say, no man did this. Ask yourself this question. Is there anything that's holding you back from accepting God's call to serve him? Is there anything that gets in the way of that? Now, we're saved to serve. We're called to serve. We're commanded to serve. We're also shaped to serve. This really fits who you are. I really believe if we're going to live our best life, the, the abundant life, we have to give ourselves over in the shape that we are to God in service. I've used this uh, acrostic before, and it stands for five different things. So I want you to consider the way that you're shaped. And, and this can be a much longer process. I'm going to kind of run through this rather fast. But I want you to think about your own life, who you are, the way God has designed you. First of all, the S stands for spiritual gifts. What are your spiritual gifts? There's a couple of lists I listed there that you can go look. Um, but I can tell you in this congregation, like Kathy Franchetti, used her gift of mercy to serve fire victims. I don't know, it's about six of them or something that she's helped, at least, right? Four, five, four or five, she's helped. Stephen and Donna Scott and Chris Green used their gifts of mercy and teaching to serve men and women who are in addiction at the Rebel Gospel Mission. Jeremy is a gift of helps. He uses that in worship. And believe me, he helps us all in worship, what he's doing back there week in and week out. That's a labor-intensive ministry. Aaron has a gift of mercy and evangelism and serves that with the youth and also in ministry in the world of dance. She's in the world of dance and she ministers to people who are in the arts. The list goes on. I have to stop, you know, but you get the idea. There's a lot of people here who are using their gifts. They know what they are and they're out there doing it. So do you know what your gifts are? Read the list. Here's, a, here's one, one of the best ways to find out a gift. You just dive in and you try something. If you flop, that's okay. We're okay with failure. You just move on. Okay, that's not my gift. I'll go on over here and I'll try this. You know? But just try something. Uh, you know, old, old Teddy Roosevelt, I think he said, it's better to try and fail than to never try at all. You know, just, just give it the old college try and see what happens. Here's the second thing. The H stands for your heart, serving with your heart. Ask yourself, what do I really care about? Where, when you serve, do you feel energized? What are you enthusiastic about? Where are you effective? Where's your heart? Where's your dreams? And if, you can even do this. You can ask somebody who knows you, and you can say, could you... Where do you think I'm effective? What do, you, what, am I, what do you see? Get another pair of eyes to look at you and say, what do, you, what do you think about me? Find out what your heart is, what you have a heartbeat for. You know, I know I have a heartbeat. I have a heartbeat to share the gospel. I have a heart. I loved it to hear when people come to Christ. I, that, that is so exciting to me. I mean, my wife and I went to a movie called Unconquerable. Is that what it is? 
Overcomer. Overcomer. Close. It starts with an O. Okay, Overcomer. It's a faith-based movie. And in the movie, I don't want to spoil the whole thing, but someone comes to Christ. And I'm in tears watching and listening to this prayer. It's just a movie, but I'm just in tears watching that. That that moves me so much. I get so excited when I hear that. I know whenever that happens, I think of Luke 15, you know there's a party in heaven just now. When I get the the privilege of leading somebody, it says the angels rejoice. It's not on the front page of the press Democrat, but all of heaven knew what happened in this person's life just now. So what, what, what is your heart? Okay. Uh, let's go to the A. The A stands for abilities. There are lots of abilities listed in scripture. They aren't necessarily spiritual gifts. Let me read some of these abilities. Artistic ability. Architectural ability. Administering, baking, boat making, candy making. I'm not sure where that is, but candy making. Debating, designing, embalming, embroidering, engraving, farming, fishing, gardening, leading, managing, masonry, making music, making weapons, needlework, painting, planting, philosophizing, machine ability, Inventing, carpentry, sailing, selling, being a soldier, tailoring, teaching, writing literature, and poetry. Those are all some of the abilities listed in scripture. The experts who study these kinds of things says that the average person has five to seven hundred abilities. In other words, you have hundreds of abilities that you can use to serve God. Um... What might yours be? If you, even if you can drive, that's an ability. You can drive a car. You're able to, not everybody can drive a car. My grandma cannot drive a car. You can do what my grandma can never do. And because you can drive a car, you can go pick somebody up and bring them to worship. You can pick somebody up and take them to lunch. You can help somebody out when they're moving. Especially if you have a truck, Okay. You know, I used, to, I used to be obsessed over being the best at something. I just know, I don't know why that was. But when I was growing up, you know, I told you my dream when I was in elementary school was to be the greatest all-around athlete of the second half of the 20th century. Jim Thorpe was the greatest all-around athlete of the first half of the 20th century. And I read books on athletes and I, I wanted to be that guy. And I realized I wasn't going to be that. I thought, well, maybe I can be the best at basketball, and I wasn't that. Best at piano, I wasn't that. And I'm like, the reality started to set in the older I got. I'm not going to be the best at something. And then it hit me one day in college. Oh, yes, you are, and yes, you can. You can be the best Rick Bassett the world has ever seen. Because there's no one else like you. And if you don't get busy being who God made you, the world is going to miss out. Because you, you sat around trying to be something that you were never designed to be in the first place. You weren't designed to be the best all-around athlete or best basketball player or best pianist. You're designed to be the best you. Settle into it. Your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, your experiences. Nobody else has that. That's a great thing. The world needs to see people fully alive in Christ who are what God made them to be. To have that light coming through you. You're like a stained glass window. 
And you have a, a, an arrangement of colors in your glass that nobody else has. And you're going to see the glory of God through you in a way nobody else shows that glory. So your abilities. Here's another one, your personality. God uses different types of personalities. It's okay if you're an introvert. He uses introverts. He uses extroverts. He uses thinkers. He uses feelers. You know, he uses more the, the, the artistic bent and the one who's more like an engineer. There's no right or wrong to those things. It's just bringing that thing over. Do you know your personality the, the way you are? And then God uses your experiences. That's the fifth one, the E in shape. Family experiences, school, work, vacation, artistic, athletic, extracurricular, spiritual experiences, and most of all, your painful experiences. What have been the painful experiences in your life? You know, when you have experienced pain in a certain area of life, you understand that area that experience like a person who hasn't gone through that and you can minister to that person who's coming through it in a way that other people can't. So we're saved, we're called, we're commanded, we're shaped to serve. It's just, it's just the way it is. And the more that the world can see of that, the better. Um, I've got this, uh, these tries here, this blue card. What are some things that you could try in the area of service? Besides what might be in your heart, well, things like you could volunteer at one of the Redwood Gospel Mission events. They do Thanksgiving banquets, birthday parties for the homeless, City Kids Festival. You could do that. You could help with our own Harvest Festival that comes up in October. Serve at the Nomadic Shelter the second Wednesday of the month. Uh, we're a little delayed on this, on building homes for fire victims, but that's because of the city. And, but if you want to help rebuild homes for people who lost their homes, you could help with that. You could adopt a spot on the church campus and say, that's mine. I'm going to trim those bushes. That plot of land, I'm going to pull the weeds out there. You know, I'm just going to take care of this area. You could say, I'm going to come into the building. I'm going to take care of the cobwebs. I'm going to take care of upstairs. I mean, you can just adopt the spot. You can say, I'm going to give this much time every week or every month to this. I'm just going to do it. And, you know, you might be a clean freak. You love cleaning. Great. We'll we'll use you in that. Um, You could deliver donuts to Brook Hill Elementary School. You could help with the computer, with media. You could work with children or youth. You could host a small group. You could paint. You could be a greeter on Sunday mornings clean the kitchen, all kinds of things. You know, the, the main thing, though, is where your heart is. Do you have that heart to serve God, to just give yourself over to him? You know, there's a great day coming where Jesus says to people who served him, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share your master's happiness. Go, go for the long game. This is going to be for all eternity. I'm going to serve him. He's going to come. And he's going to do great things. And so we're going to sing a song. I, and as we sing this song that Peter's going to lead, um, I like just to open the altar. If you'd like to come and just say, I'm going to place myself. I'm just going to place myself on the, and give myself over. If there's some area you're feeling led to do, say, God, here, I want to give this to you. Lead and guide me in this area. Or if it's just, Lord, I need to feel the impulse of your spirit moving me to serve you some way. The altar's open as we, as we sing this morning. Let's go ahead and stand as we do that. And if you'd like to come and just 
offer your body as a living sacrifice this morning, I invite you to do that. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Let's sing holy. Holy, there is no one like. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. And holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. And I will build my life upon your love. It is a us into this. You've called us to serve you. You've shaped us for this. It's a part of our destiny. The life doesn't work well without it. Selfish life just ends in disaster. So God, turn our hearts outward. Help us to see the places, the areas where you're commissioning us to serve. And God, help us to recognize anything inside of us that makes us hesitate, that holds us back. And to just push that aside. To know, Father, that you are looking for people. Not that are superstars, but that are ordinary. So that your power might be more visible. That your grace would be more seen. Working through just weak people. Father, we, uh, we pray that, that we as a, as a body would, would have an impact on the world around us. And wherever we are. And uh, you'd help us to see that in schools and in businesses, um, in our neighborhoods. God, let there be an impact. Give us eyes to see. There's so much pain in our world. There's so many people that are hurting. Help us to step in to those painful places and to bring the hope of the gospel in the things that we do and the things that we say. We just ask you to go with us, compel us, I pray that you get a hold of us, you grip on us, 
And Lord, that we cannot sit still, we cannot be at rest unless we're fulfilling what you've called us to do. Be the holy disturbance in our life that we'd rise up to serve you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Lord be with you.